Good evening, and welcome to the Living Fiction Podcast, cheeky memoirs of how a DID system became a manipulator's personal puppet show. Twice! I am your host, and the host of the Living Fiction System, Xanth C.L. Zeitstuck. The trigger warning for this episode, Burning Moon, are as follows. Suicide. There is actually a suicide attempt depicted in this episode, so do be warned. There is also the usual trigger warnings involved with April episodes that involve abusive partners and also codependents. Please listen at your own risk and please take care of your mental health. Otherwise, you'll end up like me. As a disclaimer, I have not been formally diagnosed with DND, but I have a lot of educated evidence pointing in that direction. Therefore, I am using DID terms. Psychiatrists in my area are extremely backed up. Also, because their waiting list is always a lot longer, because it has more people on it. Get it? Get it? Also, I realize alters cannot die, but this seemed to be the case to everyone who witnessed this. Neb's final year was a blur of disappointments. She had fallen in love, then died, the former being more damning than the latter. April, the summer before, had enrolled in University Undisclosed located in Savannah, Georgia, which was likely a saving grace since the world had already saw what happened when someone like that wasn't accepted to art school. Neb, having spent most of her senior year and the gap year putting out fires in her sanctuary-turned-nightmare, had no job and no social connection other than April. Neb was hopelessly in love with April at that point, wrote poetry for her, bought her a glass rose, melted any time April happened to spare a hug. Neb was ready to leap for joy when April had said, As a sociopath, I don't feel anything, but I do know you have your uses. Once, April had told Neb during one of her coughing fits, Don't die. I'd be mildly depressed if you died. And Neb held on to that like a lifeline. So when April told Neb she was moving out to savannah neb's only option seemed the most reasonable take her two-month-old driver's license her 1999 mitsubishi mirage she had bought with her graduation money lie to her parents about having had an apartment set up and drive by herself to georgia from ohio where she will live out of a car until her blue-haired no work experience self will somehow come up with a job and an apartment and she drove down shaking in terror and inexperience behind the wheel, and actually made it to Savannah in September of 2012. I started waking up periodically then, primarily when she hung out with a fellow homeless man, Lathaya, a streetwise philosopher who took us under his wing. It sounds like fiction, but this is really what happened. I loved her circle of homeless friends. I remember being out and hating telling them her name. She had been excited to use it, of course. No one in her hometown had been excited to call her Nebula, so I felt obliged. But I did hate it. It felt like a cover story, even though it had always been a truth. 
Nebs and my days were filled with wandering the city in the September heat, asking for applications, trying not to be scammed on Craigslist, weed, more often I, would hang out with the fellow homeless folks that slept under the Talmadge Bridge until April got out of class. Then we would hang out in her shoebox of a dorm with April's newest followers, two baby weebs and a fedora-wearing sexist, and usually go out to eat, where April would either buy Neb her first meal of the day or give her leftovers. There were visiting hours at university undisclosed. So Nab usually walked from April's dorm to her car at 2am and fell asleep until that metal death trap started baking her alive by 8am. She would stagger to the Mr. Pizza bathroom across the street, clean herself up in the sink, and would start the cycle all over again. April did help out with meals and such, but as far as moral support for her homeless friend, she swung between judgmental to entitled. One incident that comes to mind was the dragon incident. April was assigned some sort of art project where she had to fill in an outline of a Chinese dragon with the sins of humanity. That's actually a very chaotic idea now that I think of it. She was begging them for ideas. Please, I'm fried. Make yourself useful and think of something else to draw. Nev had a few suggestions, none that could satisfy. What, what, what about betrayal? The ultimate chaotic sin. Everything always has a reason. That's stupid, April spat. How am I supposed to depict betrayal? How am I supposed to draw a picture of that? Neb was tensing, as nearly always when April threw into these rages. Well, maybe you can draw, like, a silhouette that's hiding, like, a knife behind their back? No, that wouldn't work. That's too cliché, said the one-to-be sociopath who idolized Light Yagami on DeviantArt. I need to be able to draw this. How do I even draw it? This brain's trauma responses tend to be either fawn or freeze. This was a freeze. I, I don't know. I've... I've never been good at visualizations. I've always just been a writer. You know, I used to think you were creative. I was actually friends with you because I thought we could, as two artistic minds, share that sort of passion, but I guess I was wrong about you. Your ideas are as simplistic and drab as your writing. April wasn't just going for the nerve. She was going for the entire nervous system. <laughs> nervous system? Good DID pun. Neb, of course, had a breakdown. She ran from the dorm that night in tears, drowning in the sort of hurt and self-loathing that could only occur when the only person on the planet who seemed to understand you f seemed to feel nothing but disdain for you. Her mind was swan-diving to suicide. Gods knew that April would probably be angrier for Neb running away. There were two options running through Neb's head. Try to OD on Equate? Can one even OD on Equate? Maybe try to climb the bridge and jump off? But I was fully awake that night, and I'm an absolute devil on this poor girl's shoulder. Hey, you know how April always associates herself with fire? The red hair, the crimson black and all that? We have that petrol canister in the boot. Why not set ourselves on fire? I admit, this probably wasn't my best introduction, even as far as the purpose of Alta's dear lords, I am bad at my job, but, but it didn't occur to me that my existence was tied to this odd fleshy vessel. 
I wanted theatrics. I wanted symbolism. I was new to this world and wanted to feel what it would be like to burn. Not even all consequences. I don't know if Neb heard me as a full voice or just an intrusive thought. She grasped her lighter in her hands, tried to light, then... The fucking thing wouldn't light. That's right, ladies and gentlemen and everything in between. If you have found yourself personally offended and attacked by my continued existence, as dubious as it may be, you can blame the Bic Lighter Company. For it was their manufacturing error, this malfunction, fateful as it was, that let me continue to grow into the nuisance I am today. That is the Bic Lighter Company. They also make pens. Seems symbolic, doesn't it? We flicked it a few times and froze. What could we even do now? We'd gone too far this time. We couldn't even try to get help without being institutionalized somewhere in the Bible Belt. What next? Neb! It was Lothia. He was about 30 years old, with a handsome face, dirty blonde hair, stubble, and stormy blue eyes. I'd recently feared I'd made him up as an altar, but confirmed that someone outside my head had met him too. He had a similar way of talking that Shadow had. Perfect diction that seemed oddly rehearsed. Neb, I was looking for you. I had a conflict with Katrina earlier, my girl, coming by like a hurricane. Let me run this by you. He put his arm around our shoulders, steering us away from the river, where our life could have ended only a minute before. I honestly can't remember what he was talking about. It was definitely about Katrina, and how she had made him a mixtape or something. He didn't mention the jerry can that we had left behind. He had somehow taken away Neb's lighter without either of us noticing. Maybe the fumes got to our head. He led us to an apartment that was over a locksmith shop right near Wright Square. He talked on and on about his personal affairs. I'm not sure Neb or I made a single sound. Lathia's friends were renting the apartment. He spoke to one girl. I don't remember anything about her, only that she had a heavier build, glasses, and brown hair. Lathia talked to her alone for a bit, and then said goodnight to us and left. His friends directed us to where the shower was, where the couch was, and gave us a change of clothes. At this point, our only responses were, okay, and thanks. There was no judgment, no questions. I remember hearing them talk amongst themselves, asking whether or not the laundry system could safely handle petrol. We showered the body off, then fell asleep on the couch. Neb's life continued as usual. No apology from April, just a bit of mercy since she had somehow managed to finish the project. Neb continued to search for employment, even alongside April's insistence that Neb was going to die in a gutter as soon as she had to go back home for break and leave her there. But against all odds, Neb achieved her goal in the beginning of November. I helped a bit, not as much as I take credit for, but I did help. She got a job as a food runner at an Asian fusion place called Fire. She had a pitifully low wage, but somehow found rent as cheap as her labor. Neb was thrilled. She had survived homelessness, moved to a new city on mostly a prayer, and was stable. With an awful job and a pitiful apartment, but hell, we both figured that she'd be dead before she'd even get that far. Neb was so excited to tell April, who had temporarily moved back home for autumn break. I have an apartment. My first night here is tonight. April responded with, word for word, good for you. I hate my carpet. 
She then went on a rant about how her mom refused to update the carpeting in a room April didn't even live in anymore and was pulling it up with her bare hands in protest. How did Neb feel? Well, this is posted to her DeviantArt three days before I woke up. I'll try reading this in her accent. Here we go again with my melodramatic sap, luring rhyming words into a simplistic trap. Step right up to enjoy the last crash, maybe in time to glimpse the remnants of ash. I've come and gone before anyone knew, but hey, did you at least enjoy the view? From homeless to house, the successes ignored, never made proud the one I so adored. Struggling to recover myself to no avail, at last my spirit knows and has begun to fail. My love for you has even evoked to benight a constant dark flame compared to what was blazing light. I've been so sick of forcing myself to feel, pretending to be human, the very thought surreal, flirting with death because she makes me feel wanted. I haven't lived nearly as much as I've haunted. I shouldn't have hoped. I should have known. Single or not, I will die alone. With no one to care and no one to hold, it's no wonder I've become one with the cold. That was the last known thing that she had ever written. Days later, on December 17th or 18th, I woke up and I stayed. <laughs>